rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Cosmic Force. I am one of your hosts, Tyler Reganti, and tonight we have our first manga roundtable for The Edge of Balance. We have a new concept art book announced from a surprising publisher, and we have new books in the weekly pull list. But first, let's go around the room and say hi to the rest of my team here co-hosting with, uh, with me tonight, starting where we always do. Emma, how's it going over there? You mentioned that you had done some rearranging of your, your Funkos in the background. So what, what, what are we looking at over there? I did. I made sure that uh, everybody can can see them tonight. Um, I got the entire wave of the new Mandalorian Funkos in the mail. We're not uh, talking about those. Oh, they're so pretty. I got the Bo-Katan chase up there. I still haven't decided if I'm going to keep her in the box yet. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. She's staying in there for now. Um, the Dark Trooper, surprisingly awesome Funko. My favorite one, other than Bo-Katan, of course. I love Bo-Katan and Ahsoka, but uh helmet off mando holding grogu so good so good <laughs> all of my mando line ones uh have been delayed they were supposed they were oh. supposed to they were supposed to start arriving this week and they've been delayed um i see some of your bad batch um which i've tried twice now to order i've tried from both target and those got canceled and then i tried from big bad toy store and they're still whatever big bad toy <sighs> store is doing i just i'm not getting them so um yeah you're on a uh, list somewhere it's, it's, saying, it's, it's don't kind of, send this man Funkos. Funkos is <laughs> Funkos is kind of a, a sore subject for me. And Eric, I see Eric uh, in the in the chat. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we live in, in pain. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Uh, next up, we have Caleb. Caleb, how are we doing tonight, sir? Doing really well. It's one of a rarity that I actually have the physical book in hand. So I'm usually Mr. Digital over here, but... I got this here. I think I read this before <clears throat> all of you guys did. So I've had lo- much, much longer to forget about everything. So I might be <laughs> a little slow on some of these points, but I think we're in for, for a good time here. I think we're going to have a real lively discussion. It's going to be a discussion where we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that uh, in a little bit. But first, let uh, me introduce the final member of our team tonight, our producer, Jacob. How is law school treating you this week? Well, this week was actually fall break, so honestly, pretty fantastic, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, I really wish all weeks could be like this, uh, but that's not how it works. Uh, I will say, before we get too off tr- uh, topic, um, you I don't think you can complain about the Bad Batch Funkos, because I had them in hand, like, two or three months ago, being like, Tyler, I can mail you the whole set right now, and you're but- like, no... But I ha- I already no have I, I got them this from Target this- it's it's gonna be fine Tr- Target like nothing can go wrong. This was prior to me realizing how awful Target and Funkos they're, that's just it's just a bad marriage. Fifteen and, bucks and- a piece, whole set right there. Come in taken care yeah. of. And that was yeah, like well I I had them pre-sale for like nine dollars a piece. Okay, I care about those three dollars. Yeah. So yeah. Here, here's here's the lesson, folks. <laughs> You're gonna order it right away on Big Bad Toy Store. Just shell out the extra two bucks or whatever yeah and and you'll get them right on time that's the lesson yeah 
As they say, yeah, or- two Funkos in the hand is worth more than one in the bush or whatever how that goes. I don't know. <laughs> like, all right. We are way off rails. But uh, so hopefully uh, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, we, we're, we're still talking about Star Wars stuff, but normally we do talk about uh, comics because we are a Star Wars comics podcast that broadcasts live right here on YouTube.com slash Utini every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. If you can't join us live, that is perfectly fine. All of our videos are available on the Utini YouTube channel for you to watch whenever you want to. We are also on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So if you prefer to, to listen to us in audio, audio form, uh, we are available there as well. We are a part of the Utini Podcast Network of nearly a dozen shows and a Discord channel at utini.com slash Discord with more than 1,000 members with dozens of channels to choose from. And if you like what you see and you want to say thanks, then head over to our Patreon channel at patreon.com slash Utini, where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini Podcast Network of shows, as well as as exclusive merch and community involvement activities. So... Before we get into the main show, we do have uh, one interesting piece of news. I, I'm, it's, this is a good interesting. Um, and uh, uh, well, I'll go ahead, Emma, and, and let you kind of kind of share this, uh, this fun and interesting piece of news for, with, with us. Yeah, so we have uh, newly announced like a few hours ago, um, the art of Star Wars visions and uh, that's exciting in and of itself, but mm-hmm. the, the company that's publishing this is very interesting um, for uh, our, you know, comics subject. It's going to be published by Dark Horse. Um, so that's really interesting. I believe they did the um, Jedi Fallen Order one and maybe the Star Wars Rebels one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, getting a Visions art book, I think it's going to be amazing. And, uh, yeah, pretty excited that Dark Horse gets involved every here and again. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know about the rest of you. I, I usually lean on you all, especially Jacob, uh, to kind of give me this sort of insider news. So this was a, this was a bit of a, of, of, of a surprise to me, a, a welcome surprise, because I, I, I loved Visions. I, I mean, even though the episodes that I wasn't high on, I still had an appreciation for. So the more that we can get and the more and, and concept art stuff is, is I eat that stuff up. So this I'm, I'm really excited for this. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I love all the art books. I'm a little bit addicted to them. So <laughs> I think I have all of them from the Disney era. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but you know, they're so lovely to to look at. And you know, I love behind the scenes stuff. I'm gonna have to watch like uh for those that don't know, like if you go into the extras tab on Disney Plus on Visions, they have like behind the scenes extras. I didn't know that. So I'm really excited. I got some more stuff to watch. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those those are I haven't I, I haven't watched any of those either. I think they're only like three or four minutes piece. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then this new art book, Emma's going to be adding it to her. Uh, this comes out on April twelfth, so she'll get it April twelfth. Eric and I will get it uh, June seventeenth, um, <laughs> and and we'll just have to deal with Emma getting it before the rest of us. So. All right, let's go ahead and get into the main part of the show tonight. And we start with the weekly pull list. And uh, we've got uh, two very unique and interesting entries this week. So, Jacob, what do we have this week? Yeah, we got uh, we were going to have a lot more this week, but there are a few delays. Uh, So uh, luckily, this week's not quite as packed, but we have the High Republic Adventures number nine back together in a way again. Part two written by Daniel Jose Older. With pencils by Tony Bruno, colorist Rebecca Nolte, and the letterer is Joanna Natalie. 
Uh, and then next we have Ghosts of Vader's Castle, number three. Uh, Danger on Dagobah, written by Kevin Scott, with pencils and color by Francesco Francavilla and Robert Hack, uh, with the cover also from Francesco Francavilla. And the letter is Sean Lee. As always, you, of course, can pick up those uh, with Comixology in the links down in the YouTube description. Uh, and I, I have read High Republic Adventures number nine, I think was great. Uh, have not gotten around to uh, Shadows, or sorry, Ghosts of Vader's Castle. It's a little confusing when there are three very similar <laughs> miniseries uh, and also a, you know, a Lego short that came out this week as also in a similar vein but uh it's spooky season it's spooky i ha- uh, i have the ghost of vader castles mini or issues i think i'll probably just wait till i'm they're they're all out which is two weeks from now so i just i just want to know who that guy is on the front with the beard he looks like he looks like that character from like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer <laughs> <laughs> like either that, either that, that i mean the, the i was thinking more i was thinking the lumberjack more yeah I was thinking more of a Gimli, but uh, mm. I mean, I can I, I can see uh, the lumberjack. Yeah, yeah. I, this was not, this has not been on my pull list, but uh, the Star Wars comics channel uh, in Discord has been uh, all over this each each issue. So uh, I'm kind of disappointed in myself for not uh, for not picking this up yet. But uh, Jacob, you said you haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. Emma or Caleb, have you guys picked this picked this up? Not yet? the new ones. I have read like all the. Uh, previous like ghosts of and tales of vader's castle and it's they're really good like you might not think of it but doing like scooby-doo stuff in star wars but like each issue was i think better than like the one where i read before so definitely worth it uh when you get a chance so i'm excited for all this to be completed so we can maybe we'll be able to talk about it here in the end of the whole spooky season yeah, I have it in my com- comicsology. I haven't had a chance to read that or the Higher Public Adventures yet today, which is rare for me, I know. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I-, I like all the, you know, Tales from Vader's Castle, Ghosts of Vader's Castle, whatever the other one is. Um, yeah, they're, they're all really return? great. Shad- return. Yeah. Return, yeah. Sh- return the one shot with Shadows of Vader. I don't know. Yeah, but there, I also so like how um, how in the front they like the author like it was like creepy Kevin yeah. Scott and like freaky Francesca. I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> she reminds me of like a Treehouse of Horror from The Simpsons. Yes, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it reminds me of. So, all right. Well, in order to go ahead and get in, spend more time discussing uh, our manga book tonight, we are going to once again skip our art of the week. So, for those of you that have already. We will uh, take that submission for next week. And if you haven't, then you have a little bit of extra time to get your submission in. Um, But until then, uh, we are going to go ahead and take a short uh, merch break. And then we're going to come back and talk about uh, our first manga review uh, for Edge of Balance. So we'll be right back. All right. We are back. And like I said, tonight is our, our, our latest roundtable. We are doing... Star Wars, The High Republic, The Edge of Balance, Volume 1. Uh, and Jacob, you've got kind of the the, the, the stats and the, the nitty-gritty b- behind it. So I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, tell our audience all about who it was involved in this book. Right. So this is uh, the first canon, well, first original canon manga we've had and the first manga in The High Republic. Uh, it was written by uh, Shima Shinya and Justine Ireland with art by uh, Mizuki Sakakibara. And this was published by Viz Media on September 7th, although it was originally supposed to be released on June 8th, which interestingly was before the Rising Storm came out, uh, but it was delayed. Uh, and then 
takes place on the Outer Rim world of Banshee uh, around the same time as the Rising Storm in the timeline and has a nice little bonus like backup chapter uh, called The Bansheeans written by Shimashinya with art by Nezu Usugumo. So it's it's a, it's a an, an interesting new story uh, to come out of, you know, it's for the first canon original manga volume. Lots of adjectives. Lots of qualifiers. So, I'm going to give kind of a lot of little little behind the scenes of, of, of how we operate on the show. Normally, we do not, especially for roundtables, we do a, the, the four of us do a very minimal amount of, of discussions before the show. Mm-hmm. We want to leave it to to the live discussion. We think it it, it, it serves you all, you know, the, the audience better because um, we're able to react uh, actively and, and in the moment and, and kind of and, and I think we, we think that that provides a little bit of a better experience for you all. This book, on the other hand, uh, I did have to reach out to to to, to the, the rest of the team here and just kind of get a feeler. Um, and 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 the reason I say this, is because as we give our initial ratings, um, this it, that was kind of the topic of of my 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 chat with with the rest of rest of the team because uh, yeah I had some feelings on this one so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna start with Emma first and I want you to go ahead and give your initial rating on this book. Yeah, so I definitely have some mixed feelings on it, though I think I might be the highest score or it might be the highest opinion of everybody maybe um i like that we're trying out new things with manga i don't know if manga is for me and that's okay i think for some reason the black and white i just i had a hard time like keeping track of things and i think i I just think it's because i've never read a manga before and you know that's okay like i'm not i'm not gonna knock it for for that but i think it made it hard for me to um get into the story um i did enjoy the story i think i think that the it felt like there was a natural stopping point in the middle which i'm sure we'll talk about later um it, it felt like maybe a little too long for what it was going for um but i did enjoy tie-ins to um the rising storm um, I enjoyed the depiction of the Drangir, which I know we'll talk about a lot later. Um, I really liked Lily, the new Jedi. Um, I mean, there's a few new Jedi in here, um, but her in particular, I think she's going to make for a very interesting character in the future. So um, after that very long preamble, I'm going to give <laughs> uh, give this uh, an 8.0. Uh, out okay. Of All right. So that's an eight. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to come to you next. Uh, huh. what, uh, what is your initial score on this? Uh, gut reaction straight off the barrel. I think 7.0. I think okay. that's what I'm feeling. I don't think it's, I think I'm not going to say there's a lot of missteps in here. I don't feel like they, the story made a lot of mistakes. I just feel like there wasn't enough of it to make me satisfied with the story, with that book, reading it from beginning to end. When I got to the end, I was like, oh, that was okay. I guess that's all we got now. I guess there's a camp. I felt like it was an appetizer and okay. we do know a second volume is coming. So that's exciting, but I feel like it did a lot of like minor things for setting up things that might not ever get paid off. I don't know. Overall okay. 7.0 just can't okay. like it. This might sound a little harsh, but this is probably the 
the least good thing I've read from the High Republic that's come out yet. Okay. Okay. That's a that that's that that's an interesting observation. Jacob, coming to you next. So this is tough. I you know I was doubtful when Emma said that she was going to be the highest person rating here because I, I did like it, but I don't know if I can come up to an eight point oh. So she's probably right there. Um, I'm going to split the difference and probably go seven point five. I love the art, and I don't you know I don't read manga, so I don't know if it's exceptional manga art or just that it's different mm-hmm. and I like it. So uh, therefore, I'm rating it higher. But yeah, I think the art's fantastic. The story is a bit lacking we we're talking about this earlier but it's um it doesn't do that much if for a hundred some pages um it doesn't go as 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 far as you would hope and that's i mean that's part of the medium uh not so much i don't know again i don't know with manga but comics can as much as we love comics comics can really drag story-wise like it could take you three issues to like really do anything of substance at times so like i get it especially when it's the first volume that's setting up for future volumes you know we'll see but yeah i from a story-wise standpoint i don't think it did as much as for me i liked the planet and the setting they were on i liked the art uh, but it just didn't quite come together for me all right so i'm i'm i this was hard for me i my initial rating and i and i think that that, that i'm gonna have room to come up here is i'm i'm giving it a six point out and and I have two main thoughts on this. One, if you remove this book from existence, what does the High Republic lose? And I don't feel like it loses anything. You take away the Rising Storm, you take away the comics, you take away any of the other books, you lose a good chunk of content and character development and and. So that's 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 one of the reasons why I'm I'm a little bit more critical of it. Two, we talked about prior to when with the announcement of visions that uh, I believe Jacob you had said it you had said it best when visions looked like Star Wars themed anime, not are not anime themed Star Wars. This felt like a manga themed Star Wars. It didn't. I mean, and and again, this is my first and uh, first. I, I I watch anime, but I, this is the first actual manga that I read. But I just it felt shoehorned in, and 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 maybe it's just because I'm not I'm not that well versed in in reading manga. Um, but I just I I got through it, and 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 I was like, and and that was why I needed to reach out to the rest to the rest of you all because I was like, am I missing something? Because I I just I was underwhelmed, and and I wanted to make sure that there wasn't something that I was missing that would have helped me critique it uh, a little bit better. Um, and so I'm hoping that you all can, uh, we, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit. And Emma, I think you had said that you didn't want to talk about it too much in the chat because you want to save it for the show. Um, so I'm hoping, I really am hoping that, uh, that you all can, can convince me a little bit because it just, it was, a, it was there. So. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I think that this is the most excited I've been for a round table. And this says a lot because we've done a round table on Mutant Ant Moncala. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is the most excited I've been because I think that there's a lot to discuss here. And I think that there's going to be like, we've got some differing opinions, which is kind of rare. Like usually we talk about something and we're like, oh, yeah. that was like, that was good. And like, I think we've got some, some differing opinions here. So it's going to be a good conversation. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. The art was fantastic i love the art and that's 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 why i love that's why i love love comics and i love manga but 
well, well, we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. So go, I'm going to go ahead and toss Caleb. I'm going to toss it over to you so you can kind of get into uh, the beginning of the story summary here. Absolutely. Uh, the story can starts off with a bit of a bang and a crash as it starts on the world of Takala, where an emergence from the uh, great hyperspace disaster suddenly brings ruin to the uh, poor farmers, only to be fended off by our uh, second favorite Giant Master of the era, Giant Master Stellan Geos. I'm not saying, like, I'm, I'm just saying that they're, he's everyone's second favorite. Everyone's first favorite is probably completely different, but I feel like he's kind of like Loading a shoehorn. Yeah, like everyone loves Loading Great Swarm. There's people who love uh, Avar Crystal. Exactly, but well, I think Master Stellan... is the problem, though. Yeah, we Master. all love we all love Vern, though. He's kind of, I feel like he's the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers of the uh, group. It's like he's everyone's like, yeah, they're top five easy, but you know, I don't think you're top one for anyone. Way off topic. <laughs> Distant after Stellan Geos comes in and saves the uh, day, we cut to uh, Jedi Knight Lily Torassi with her Master Arkov, the uh, Wookiee, who are now transplanting survivors from that uh, emergence disaster to the planet of uh, Banshee, uh, Branchi, uh, to start a new life and safety under the uh, Jedi Temple that's there. Um, the trip goes very well. They, uh, the Sellers are very grateful, and we're introduced to her, to Lily's Padawan, uh, Kieran Fion, and the two younglings, Nima and Vivinina, Vivnia, into their small temple. Um, things seem to be going well. The transplants are excited to start a new life farming their lives, and Lily's meeting and talking with them and talks to the local doctor, Dr. Seiler, who asked her a very important question Do you like it here? To which she does not really have an answer. Yeah, so I'm going to pick up the second half of the summary here. Um, yeah, she was uh, feeling pretty vague on her on her thoughts about her uh, her opinions on Abanchi. So, uh, yeah, life begins a normal rhythm again on the planet. Um, but one of the villagers begins acting odd and stiff, like literally stiff. They found <laughs> out, they found out that um, he turned into like wood. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the Jedi had investigated, and uh, and it was like, oh my goodness, he's wood now. I mean, it's like um, it's like Medusa, but like with wood. <laughs> um, so this is a, a prelude to a Drengear attack. Um, and thinking quickly, the civilians are rushed to the temple as Lily and Kieran um, prepare a counterattack. So they were investigating in the forest and. They found some very large sort of clearings in the forest that were unnatural and couldn't be caused by any of the sized animals on the planet. And they were like, uh-oh, someone's here. It was the Drengear. So uh, they lured the Drengear to the edge of town and Lily used, uh, and I'm going to quote the notes here, water bending the strike through. So kind of water bending, but not really. She like, <laughs> like waterboarded the Drengear, but like. Oh, jet fuel. Yeah, yeah, I, th yeah. I, I thought it was more of like a like a something that that like Star yeah. Wars kerosene. Just I have yeah. like yeah. literally yes. no way to like describe it with my <laughs> words, but she did something like water bending that was more intense. Um, so she used the force to do that. Obviously, um, she lit them ablaze and um, uh, stopped the spread, their spread and ending their threat. Um, during the cleanup, Stellan Geos arrives to take Master Arkoff with him to bring the fight to the Drangir, uh, leaving the protection of the temple in Lily's hands. And of course, Stellan tells them that uh, 
around the time when they thought they they destroyed the Drangir, um, they also uh, destroyed the Great Progenitor, which we see um, in the Marvel comics. Um, so Stellan is convinced that uh, Lily and the other Jedi didn't actually kill them, um, but that it was the whole Great Progenitor thing. Um, and then at the end, we see one of the villagers um, conspiring with the Nihil. And we wait until volume two. All right. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the characters. And we'll talk about the main one first. Uh, Lily Tora Asai. I, uh, I, I say it uh, Asai. I don't know if that's the way we don't have Mark Thompson to tell us. So that's <laughs> that's just how, how, how I'm going to pronounce it. It's like a Han oh. hand situation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. She is a Jedi Knight uh, who has been promoted for a while and is dealing with a bit uh, of, of an imposter syndrome, doesn't know what her role is. Uh, and, and, it's, and, and, and I did that think that it was nice seeing a Jedi that wasn't really, um, that was, it was new to us, but, they, but it wasn't, we've gotten a lot of experienced Jedi in the High Republic and we've gotten a lot of rookie Jedis. So this one definitely, uh, uh, Lily definitely, was a little bit in in the middle um how do we how do we like her portrayal here um and i and, and including portrayal i do want to talk about the art um so so both as a character uh how do we like her portrayal and 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 how do we like the way that she was drawn uh, throughout throughout uh, out the book um caleb i'm gonna go ahead and start with you um i think she's definitely the the standout character of this this whole arc here um i said like as someone also in that, you know, kind of thing of like, I've graduated college a lot. Like I've been now, you know, it's almost been 10 years since I, it has been over 10 years since I started college. So I'm like, well into the workforce, I've got my job. It definitely feels like I, I relate to Lily a lot of like, you know, I am confident enough in my abilities and my job of what I'm doing, but there I still can like look around and, and see like, you know, you know, people who are far above me, who are still, you know, giving me information, pouring things into me. And yet I'm also being in charge of certain people. It's like, really, you're letting me be in charge of this, like this human being here. You really trust me that much? And it, there's like, I really like that sort of dynamic of seeing a Jedi who is confident enough in their abilities, but also kind of in a kind of in a wishy-washy sort of thing i think it's it's nice to see someone who is like legitimately struggling with okay where's my place in the world where's my place in the jedi order and how do i uh like how do i kind of go from there like who like who am i and how should i react to these things and these um these responsibilities that are put onto me and uh, so one of my one of my one of my first critiques i didn't realize that she was as high off as she was based off of the opening scene with, with, between her and, and uh, master Arkov, I, I thought they were, I, I feel like she was his, she was master Arkov's Padawan, but I felt like that was still their relationship until we met Kieran. And I was like, Oh, okay. I guess she's a little bit more farther along. So that was like my first, my first jolt uh, there. Um, I don't know, Emma, did you feel that way too? Or, or was there, were, were you able to kind of, kind of get in, in step with, with her? She was as a character prior to earlier than I did. Yeah, I definitely had that first reaction, but I'm going to make the argument that that was on purpose and, okay. Okay. Uh, and here, here's why. So I think that we're supposed to, um, look at her 
in a similar way to how we view Vernestra, except she's just higher ranking. Like, like she's not so sure of herself yet. She has like a ton of responsibilities. Right. Um, and I think that we're supposed to feel a little bit off balance in the beginning. Um, and I think, I think also like the way that she's drawn, you know, she doesn't look very old, so we don't really assume that she's of high ranking. And I think that that's a really cool sort of mirror to Vernestra, who does look very young um, and is of high stature, but we don't know it. Um, I think that's just kind of like Justina Ireland's thing. I think that's very cool. Um, so, and, and speaking of the way she was drawn too, I do want to mention um, her lightsabers gave me yes. major visions vibes, like yes. the way that they were sort of doing something unique with the lightsabers. And as much as I love the uniqueness, like I truly do, I, I think, you know, whenever you can do something new with lightsabers that are, you know, pretty much always some sort of a metal thing with a glowing thing coming out of it, <laughs> whenever you can do something unique with that, I think that's great. However, it was bothering me because what happens if she's like running? Like, is she gonna, <laughs> like when we're looking at this picture right now, like, does she knock them out of the holster? Like what, what happens? Well, the with force that? keeps them in place. <laughs> of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought she was like a really cool character overall. And I'm really excited to see her growth, especially because now, you know, at the end we leave off with her sort of being in charge of the temple, even though she just went through this like big thing where she's like, I'm not sure myself. I have no idea like what to do, but a lot of things I'm relying on master Arkoff a lot. Um, I'm not very good with, with younglings. I don't feel comfortable in my abilities to teach yet. I am a teacher and I am looked up to. So I'm interested to see how she grows from that. And I think, I think she kind of represents how a lot of people feel like at some point in their lives, whether you're like in college and you're not sure if you're doing the right thing or you're working and you're sort of questioning your career choice. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think, I think she's a very vulnerable character that a lot of people can find something about her to relate to. I think that's always great in a character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and switch over to um, Lily's master, master Arkov. Um, he is another Wookiee Jedi. And, and again, I love the fact that we have more Wookiee Jedi. I think it's really cool. Um, it does leave me questioning um, Chewbacca's, sense of style and wardrobe because every other, <laughs> every other Wookiee that we've seen in this era seems to have, I mean, granted they are mostly Jedi and they all wear robes, but that Chewie was just walking around in a bandolier. Saying Chewie's a so <laughs> I, I have some questions for, for Chewie, but that's for another time and another episode. Um, I have, the, there's this question here and this question leads to one of my biggest issues with this. And I'm going to pose this, pose this question to you, Jacob. I think I know what you're going to say. The dialogue from Master Arkov, I could not stand the way that they treated his dialogue. I don't know how, I've never noticed how they treat Wookiee dialogue previously, but the way that it was answered, it was translated by whoever he, whoever he was speaking to, asking the question back to themselves, oh, how do I feel about this? That's a very good question. I, 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 I it, it really bothered me. Um, so Jacob, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts on that? Should we have, should it have been translated or should it have been a little bit more of a, of a, of a stream streamlined, you know, conversation like we normally have in the novels? Like, well, what are your thoughts on how uh, the dialogue with master Arkov was, was kind of portrayed in this? 
Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it should be directly translated. I mean, like, we again, going back to Chewbacca, that was never <clears throat> part of his character. It was, uh, you know, whenever he talks with Han or C-3PO, it's a lot of, you know, he runs something and then they give mm-hmm. a response back. So you kind of like can you can like infer what they said. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, you're seeing one half of the conversation, but you can kind of guess what the other half is. And that's how I prefer it. I, I would rather you, you know, when it's when it's doable, I, I prefer the writing style of not just being like, what you are you asking what I had for lunch today? Well, I had this. I'd rather just say, you know, I had a ham and cheese sandwich for lunch. You know, I 100 percent right. that the extra bit of framing kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah. Again, I don't I would rather I, I would prefer the arg uh, text bubbles, but, you know. It's 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 a it's a balancing act, I think, an edge of balancing act, if you will. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I think p- part of the thing is that in the like in the movies when Chewbacca talks, he's never giving exponential expositional dialogue. He's just like reacting or saying, you know, what you can assume are like one liners or status updates. Like, you, yes, of course we got hit, Chewie. I know that we we all shook in our chairs. So like now that he that out of Wookiee is like a huge like talking role I do feel like this is a little bit of a missed opportunity I guess mm-hmm. it's better than that than Kashyyyk in KOTOR 1 when like when you go to that planet it's just like I'm gonna skip through all this dialogue because having like like having like four hours of just Wookiee growls in my headset that's <laughs> that's too much like that's that was that was rough every time but you know, it like I did feel like it was a lip they played a little bit like when every single line was followed up, like, well, I guess you're right, Master Arkov. Yada yada yada, your set was really, really right. Like yeah, I felt it it was not enough to make me hate his character, but it definitely like he definitely seems like kind of like a less interesting Jedi master because of it. And I and I wonder if that's because the are we not the audience for this? Are, are, are we too old and, and do we have too much of our own ability to kind of understand unspoken dialogue to where maybe the intended audience does need to have the, both sides of that conversation happen? And, and, and so if that's the case, then, okay, maybe I'll go ahead and give it a little bit of a pass. I mean, the, the, the comics don't necessarily do that, but it just, it was, it was off and it just, it, it made it, it made the story very choppy for me just, but you know, maybe there's a good reason for it. And like, I don't necessarily know what the intended age group is for this. Um, you know, I feel like it's probably in line, especially if it's coming from Justina Ireland, maybe it is in line for kind of a young adult audience. So, so the, the dialogue maybe, maybe needs to be a little bit simpler than I'm used to, but uh, it just, it was, it was a little jarring for me. Um, so it, it, that was, that was one of the things that I was, that, 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 that I had, uh, had some issues with. Um, I think, I think one of the, one of the things that might've made it stand out to us a little bit more is that, um, when a character in universe understands Wookiees, they wouldn't be giving the exposition in a conversation like that. Right. 100%. Um, so I think it's just a, a product of needing to like fill in some of the blanks for the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that does take you out of it a little bit. So I definitely, I definitely see your point there. So let's go to our, the next mate character here, uh, Karen. Um, he is Lily's Padawan and he seems to be very overly curious and has many questions for Lily. Um, 
Do we think that this is going to lead him down a, a bad path eventually? Um, Emma, I'm going to toss this to you. I think that he is per- personally, but I'm going to kind of answer this question and then, and then ask what your thoughts are. I think given where this book leads off or leaves off, excuse me, I think I in, he's a perfect character for what, what the setting is and for where the cliffhanger is, where there is obviously some foul afoot on the planet. And, and, and I really would love to see him maybe kind of be his curious nature kind of uproot that and kind of kind of kind of pull that out into the wide open. So I I really enjoyed his this this character. Um, but but Emma, what are your thoughts on on his curi- on, on Kieran's curiosity in, in this book? Yeah, I think here's the thing, like it came from a good place, but I also felt like and I don't know if this is just because of Lily's character, but a lot of the times when they were talking to each other, it felt like whenever he was speaking, it was like making her feel really overwhelmed. Like, yeah. and I think, I think that that's just like part of her personality, but it made me dislike him, which I know is not fair of me to say, but I don't know. I didn't really feel super drawn to this character. Um, however, I am interested in some of the conversations that they were having about um the force and um and about being sure of yourself Mm -hmm. um because lily was being super open and honest saying that she's not very sure of herself whereas he really is confident in himself um and i feel like that could lead him down a very bad path um combined with his curiosity um he reminded me a little bit of um emory uh in his uh oh what what am i trying to say here he like i don't know i felt very Vern and emory vibes from the pair i could see that in and i think it's it might just be i don't know justina's influence on this it might be um kind of Vern and lily are unsure Emery and um, what's his name? Kieran. 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 Yeah. yeah. Kieran. Yeah. They're they're both um, not exactly on the straight and narrow all the time. Um, they're not the you know the quote unquote perfect Padawan. Um, there's cause to be worried about both of them in some way. Um, so yeah, I th- I think. Um, I don't know. I think their dynamic was interesting. It didn't really feel like they were super close as master and Padawan. I was also kind of interested, like um, in the beginning when Lily was with master Arkoff, I was kind of wondering like, why didn't she bring her Padawan too? like, I don't know. There felt like there was a rift in, in their relationship somehow. So I think that'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out later on. Exactly. Would you have preferred more time with Kieran and, and Lily together as yes. a, a, yeah, I, I think very that, much so. That would have helped a lot of of my issues. I think like they had some very deep conversations yes. that mm-hmm. lasted like one page or two pages. And it's like I want more of this though. Like like this is good, but those types of deep conversations they can't be rushed. And I think that that was yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That was exactly what I was trying to say. Like you know, you need to sort of take the time to either develop a relationship or show clearly that it's strained and i feel like they kind of straddled the fence here yeah i feel like i feel like for life of a bird term like they, they had a they kind of didn't do quite as good of a bouncing drop of like 
well, I, I didn't think they did a good job balancing out these discussions, but I felt like it would have been maybe better if it had been more like, you know, let's talk about these master and apprentice sort of a uh, relationship that we have here. Cause it like, he, it seems less that he, they're like a master and apprentice. It is almost like Lily's like a big sister to him. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time we saw like a, a, a sibling sort of thing like that was Obi-Wan and Anakin. And that didn't end yeah. very well. <laughs> so, I think we're going to get a lot more of him. He is on the cover for volume two that's been confirmed. So if I put out the uh, the pre-artwork for that, so he's going to be the cover character. So hopefully we'll see some more of him in the future and see where his, uh, we'll watch his career, career with uh, great interest. Yes. Well, we've got, we've covered the master. We've t- covered the knight. We've covered the Padawan and we can't leave the younglings out. Uh, so we had two younglings in this, in, in this book. We had Nima and uh, uh, Vivnia. Uh, they seem, uh, so they were kind of put in here as a way to kind to explore questions about training youth, training younglings as a Jedi, um, and, and, and raising children in general. And, and, and the, I, I, I enjoyed the concept, the, the questions that Kieran asked, uh, uh, Lily about having the younglings around and the uncomfortableness that, that children have, um, I, I feel that with my three children. Sometimes. It's, just, it's just sometimes it's just they're there and it's just like, why? And why are you asking these questions? And I don't have time for these questions. But that was a very that was a very uh, honest depiction of them. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and, and ask the question. Both in this and maybe as a as a whole, feel free to to take this question that way, the, the, this philosophical question that way, if you so choose. Are, are 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 they being trained the right way? Are do the Jedi train younglings in a proper way that puts them in a in a in a position to to succeed? Uh, I'm gonna go. We haven't heard from Jacob in a little bit, so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna toss this one to you first. I mean, at the start, towards the beginning, we did see Vivnia chuck a lightsaber at Lily's head. So, <laughs> um, preliminary evidence suggests no. Uh, but now, in all seriousness, I. I I mean, a lot, a lot of what we saw as far as training was kind of um, informing them of like the 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 dogma and, and the methodology mm-hmm. and reasonings behind why Jedi what do what they do. And I generally don't think there's you know a huge issue with that. I think that's fine. Um, you know, I I think I would say we'll see. I, you know, we're, we're seeing that we're seeing them being planted with the seeds of, you know, this is what it means to be a Jedi. You're youngling. Now you have time to grow and learn and mature. I wouldn't be shocked to see in volume two, or if there is a volume three to see them, you know, finally be confronted with some, you know, some challenge and, and we'll see how that plays out, you know, have, is everything they've been learning gone to waste or are they adequately prepared? I don't know. Um, I, I think these characters were interesting, but I think more than like, you know, unique, interesting characters. I think they're just a, uh, I don't know, a means to an end for right. Lily's character development. You know, we have to see her come to terms with the fact that she's responsible for not just Kieran, which I, I you know, if it was just her and Kieran, I think she'd be fine. But it's the fact that she also has yeah. these two younger, the, the these younglings that I think puts a higher burden on her that she, you know, feels responsible for for them as well in a very tender young age a very impressionable age so yeah we'll see i think it, they present an interesting uh an interesting you know mix to the story um but yeah i don't know they're fun the 
we've the only younglings we've ever seen are younglings that were raised and trained at the temple. Mm-hmm. The only stories that we've heard, whether it's Obi-Wan's stories from like Master and Apprentice or whether it's, you know, I guess not necessarily Anakin or, you know, the Clone Wars, everything that we know about younglings and their training happens on Coruscant. So I don't think we're going to get get this, especially in this medium, as fast as the story went. The, the idea of training Jedi at a remote temple away from everybody else is a fascinating topic to me. And I would love to see more that topic explored more. But given how fast the story went and given as I don't think that's what that's what they're here for. I don't think we're ever going to get that. Uh, Emma, what do you, th- I mean, do you think we're going to explore them more? Or do you think that, that, that as, uh, that, that, that as Jacob said, that they're really here more as, a a, a prop to, to show, um, Lily's growth as a character by the end, by the time the story ends. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you tossed it to me because I've been having a lot of thoughts as I'm sitting here listening to you guys. Um, I have to say that they were my least favorite part of of this book. Um, I still have zero clue which one is Nima and which one is Vivnia. Um, Vivnia is the Togruta. Right? Okay, I got you. Got you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but also, I feel like this is where some of my frustration with Kieran comes in. I feel like they're filling a role for Lily's character development that could have easily been filled by Kieran if they gave Kieran more time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't feel like they have any role that couldn't be filled by any of our existing characters. And we already have a lot of new characters in here. Um, however, I do agree with you, Tyler. It is interesting to see younglings being trained um, uh, elsewhere other than, than Coruscant. The only um, sort of, similarities that I can think of is Bell and Loden on Alfrona. He was a Padawan though. Um, but I, I did like, uh, like seeing them, you know, training in a remote temple outside of Coruscant. I think I thought that was cool. Um, I thought it was interesting how Lily kind of treated them very similar to Kieran. Like she just got overwhelmed with them very easily. Yeah. Um, but I'm also kind of glad that they're showing that. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Like not everybody loves kids or like is good with kids. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure people can relate to that. I, I personally am not like Lily in that sense, but I'm sure that a lot of people can look at Lily and say, yeah, I totally feel awkward around kids too. Like <laughs> they ask the most random questions and it stresses me out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that they were just okay. I think I think maybe I was a little too harsh on Kieran um, because of my frustration with them. Um, and then one last point that I'll make about them is that I didn't feel like this might be like kind of an overarching thing, but I feel like it relates to them is that I don't really feel like the writing was super consistent in terms of like the themes that they were trying to portray. Um, it felt like at some point they were trying to show that Lily wasn't confident in herself and that uh, she got overwhelmed really quickly. And then another time I was thinking that the theme had something to do with like how younger Jedi don't know how to handle themselves because of like improper training. And 
I don't know. It just felt a little bit back and forth to me. Um, I know that's like super down compared to like I can, what I normally say, but uh, I, don't I can know. see that. <laughs> but I, so prior, how much experience do you have with anime or other Japanese and Eastern visions? That's it. So I can understand your 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 thought process there. But to me, mm-hmm. it didn't bother me that much because that felt very eastern culture i've i've watched other anime shows and i've watched other uh no i haven't read any other manga um but i've 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 watched a couple of other shows where where that dynamic is is kind of not explained but like it's there so so oh, where, where, whereas you were a little bit a little bit caught off guard by it uh, it didn't bother me the 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 you know dual, dual dualness of uh, of all that um because I, I feel like like how quickly that stuff is brought up and 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 passed on and moved on to uh uh i, I it, it's been in other in other shows that i've watched that are that's good to cr- know though for me because i don't want to i don't want to knock it for right. something that you know because i like that we're expanding into new mediums and if that's like part of what manga typically does you know i definitely don't want to uh knock it for that. I think, I think me personally, I love to sit in a story. I love character development. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe manga just doesn't do that for me, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely interesting. And honestly, like, you know, I hate that I haven't like watched more anime or, or read more manga. Cause I feel like maybe that would, it would definitely change you know, my views on this. Cause I've, you know, zero foreknowledge on it but uh yeah that's interesting to hear you say absolutely Uh, i got a couple things i want to bring up here the first one was you mentioned about them being like growing up and being trained outside of the jedi temple and i suddenly had an image of them growing up as essentially the homeschoolers of the jedi you know coming up (laughs) for the nine ceremony in their denim uh in their denim skirts and their uh homemade uh robes like, I'd read. I'd, I'd read that. Are, are, you like about, a, are you talking about homeschool kids or Pentecostals? <laughs> there's know. not. There's. They can be really, really well uh, intertwined. Depends oh, on where okay. you're from. All right. You, yes, but yeah, homeschool or uh, homeschool Jedi. Like that's got to be a subseries somewhere. Uh, the other point I wanted to bring up is you know it. it I do. There's like a kind of a point like right in the middle during the D- Dringar attack where the uh, two uh, paddle you know younglings are with the. Uh, <clears throat> main group of the uh refugees of the farmers and you know like the do- they're facing down a dringar and the doctor there says like no you're too young you do not have to fight this battle here you're still a child and it's that weird idea like have conflict of like mm-hmm. yes i'm a jedi i have a lightsaber they gave me this weapon to kill things and protect people but am i not yet available to um <clears throat> put my life on the line to defend people and honestly i think the doctor's right these are like preteens they should not be ch- like jedi encouraging child soldiership is a bad idea <laughs> so hmm, i wonder where we learned that lesson exactly <laughs> right that that never that never ends well all right well we don't have any other that's all the the, the, the characters that we've we've called out uh there were a couple of other characters but unfortunately they didn't get names so it, it's kind of hard for us to to met to, to reference the guy that turned into wood or mr Kubota. Uh, he, he yeah, yeah. 
Uh, well, it's, it's, it's because it, it's named after a lawnmower. That's where I remember right. it. So <laughs> I'm going to go, Caleb, you've, you've developed some, uh, some overarching questions that you wanted to ask the group. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it, the, the conversation over to you. And so you can uh, ask some of your questions. Exactly. I mean, I think the big one that's on everyone's lips, and this is one thing we, we discussed a little bit in the pre show here is we get a different vision of the Dringar in this series. So essentially of how a different look for them and how a little kind of a different way they attack and do things uh, is, but what do you guys think? Is this more terrifying or less terrifying than what we saw in the original versions? And I'll go ahead and put my two cents out there. These things are way scarier. Yes. Man, I have I, to say something like I, um, the first time I read this, I did not notice the, the, uh, the field, and it had like oh, body parts bodies? in it. Yeah. I didn't notice that. And I was rereading it yesterday. I was like, oh my God, there's like a foot in the field and stuff. I was like, what? Two heads, yep. Yeah, and it's like, it's way creepier to be turned into solid wood than to be like stuck through with some vines. Like, like what are these Dren gear? What, like, what, what is happening? Like it blew my mind. I wish that the Dren gear here, like in there just scary factor we're in the rest of, and i understand like you know in uh like race to crash point tower you, you know that, that's maybe a little bit too scary um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I really liked the intensity of the drink mm-hmm. I, I think that that's one of the stronger points for me because I, I was i've been very interested in the whole drink your storyline throughout the entire high republic and to see they're sort of I don't know if they're like evolving or like mutating, um, whatever it is though, it's scary and it's not going to be good for anybody. Um, I'm scared for the higher public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like one thing we talked about is I think I feel like turning people into wooden statues is way creepier than mind controlling them. Cause like with mind control, which we've get, seen before, we've seen that before. And we know in, when we see mind control, the problem is the trope is we know that we can step it out of that, snap it out of them. But right. You know, when you're turned into a literal statue of wood, it's like, well, there's no going back from that. It's uh, it was uh, pretty creepy. Plus I, you know, their character design of the drinker being a lot more lighter and makes them look like they're a lot faster, less furry and fuzzy looking. You know, yeah, like, other like than... they looked leafy in the yes. in the comics, like leafy, mm-hmm. and then these ones were kind of like, I don't know, a little bit more viney, a little bit more monstrous. And the other thing too that that we forgot to mention is that uh, in this you get infected or like I don't know, in, infested by them um, through their spores and not their vines, and that's like that's creepy, especially in like you know virus times, you know, with a pandemic, and you know you can like pick up respiratory droplets and then you get the spores of the dren gear. It's like you know, there's definitely some some real world connections going on here. I yes, mask like, up, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like prior to this, the scary scariest, the biggest adversary adversarial element of the Dren gear was that they couldn't be easily killed. And if you chop apart, mm-hmm. chop a piece of them off, they just grow back into it. These guys, like, I remember when we did our roundtable for uh, the first trade paperback for the High Republic comic. I was like. The drink you're eh, they're 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 not like I don't get why they're why they're here. They're not a big adversary. If if these drink gear were in some of the novels or some of the comics where they're viney, they're they're secretive, they're turning people into wood, the, I would have a much higher um opinion on the threat of the drain gear when it comes to the Jedi 
Um, I think I think the Drengear and the way that the Drengear were portrayed was the strongest part of this book. But I loved every part that was connected to the Drengear from the assumption that it was in that container that uh, that the guy was holding uh, to it apparently mutated with the uh, what was ever in the soil or it had muted like the reason they were so scary was because it had mutated with some of the the, the, the local water like I, that that's starts to become very interesting because if you can have drank gear, you can have a Delta variant of, of drink gear. <laughs> now, now you're talking about something that is a little bit, uh, hits a little bit too close to home, but at the same time, it's, it makes them more interesting. And, and, and like I said, I love that part of this book. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that we're starting to get into some science territory in, in the higher public. And that makes me extremely excited. Like let's get a, let's get a space geneticist up in here. Can we do that? <laughs> I mean, the main protagonist of light of the Jedi was a science nerd. So, I mean, like Kevin Tarr That's is true. the real hero of the Republic. Yeah. Kevin. That's true. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. not, not, not Kevin. Kevin Kevin's Kevin. too boring. Ke- Kevin's too boring for a star Wars name. It's gotta be yeah. like Kevin. Oh, you well, put and, an extra um, constant in there. And there was a, uh, uh, Oh, what was her name? Silvestri's mother um, was a hyperspace scientist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we got, yeah, we got some science going here, but, you know, let's get some biologists or some like, I don't know. Let's just, let's, let's just do it. This is coming from a biology major. That's what I'm saying. So we're going to be biased. We need uh, (laughs) Lieutenant Spock in here. Absolutely. (laughs) So uh, another point here is that the temple on Branchy seems like minuscule uh, compared to the main Jedi temple, just like, uh, you can count them all on like one hand. There's like the archivist, the master, the knight, her padawan, and uh, there's only one person uh, and the two younglings there. So along with, it seems like the Jedi are doing a lot of these like smaller temples because we also saw the temple of in Elfrona and that one just had about five, six people in there. Like, are, do you think the Jedi in this time period are experimenting with smaller outposts and doing small, like lesser things out there? Or, you know, is this, you know, something that they've always done and then they will stop doing that moving forward towards the Clone Wars? I mean, it's, we've, we've been seeing it a lot with the High Republic because like the whole, or a big, big part of the, the story is the, I mean, kind of not colon, kind of colonization of the outer rim, uh, expansion yeah. of Republic territory. So to do that, you spread your influence through small Jedi outposts. I mean, it's not it's not anything new. Like I mean, we even saw it with uh, rebels on Lothal. I mean, you, you, there yeah. are, there have always been smaller temples outside of like Ossus or Coruscant or whatever. So uh, it's 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 nothing new. I mean, obviously you're gonna see. The Jedi becomes more centralized uh, over time, uh, going towards the prequels. Uh, you know, we we talk about that in Dooku Jedi Lost, where you know it's it's you know like I think it's Re- uh, not Wreath Rail talks about it being much less common for Jedi to be outside of Coruscant and how right you know it, it skews your skews your vision of the galaxy when you all you know is like this almost like you know, cathedral-like temple of the Jedi uh, in the center of galactic power. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yes, I mean, it, that that's it. I mean, I don't know what else to say. we're also, we're also dealing with a thousand years of peace, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Jedi are not generals, they're hall monitors from a, a, you know, 
militaristic and aggressive, you know, point of view. So you can have, you can either have 50 Jedi at, you know, split up amongst, you know, four or five different strongholds and have a more sizable force, or you can have them spread up across more thinly spread apart with, with, you know, at 25 different, different outposts. So, and I think at a time of peace like this, they're not, they're there to spread their positive influence and their, you know, be able to solve the, you know, small problems of the day that, that they're, that they're focused on. So yeah, it makes it, it makes sense to me that, yeah, we're going to have, instead of having 10 temples with, you know, or six temples with 10 Jedi at each of them, we're going to have 60 temples with two Jedi um, because one or two Jedi can handle all of the, you know, all of the issues that these, you know, back world, you know, uh, planets, you know, have to throw at them. Nice. Okay. So yeah, I think, you know, having, you know, we talked a little bit about that one. Another thing about having this like giant temple here is it might be a bit of a target here. And, you know, that's one thing that was teased at the end is that we are very clearly have a nihil spy amongst the, uh, amongst the colonists, amongst the transplants here. Uh, why do the nihil care about the temple on Branchy? Like, is it just so that it can target it and cause chaos? Or do you think the Nihil has some sort of plan moving forward? I, mean, I, I don't know. It's like, it's this is kind of like a little bit of a tie-in to Race to Crash Point Tower, but like, so minor spoilers if you haven't read it yet. It's been out for a little bit, but it, I think it's interesting how the Nihil, wait a second, I think I got to mix up. In Race to Crash Point Tower, don't they like want to spread the... Yeah. The Drangir? Okay. Yeah, okay. It's, I, if, I, it's for some refer- reason I thought they did it themselves, but I was like, wait a second, they can't do that themselves. Yeah, um, they reference it in I think a little bit in the right in the rising right or yeah, the rising storm, and they talk about it much more explicitly in Race Crash Point Tower and the end of this manga as well. Okay, cool. I want to make sure I wasn't getting that mixed up, but I think it's interesting. I, I feel like they're trying to weaponize the Drangir, and I feel like maybe on these more agricultural worlds where they might blend in. Um, then I sort of see them as like the perfect target. Like, um, you know, maybe they'll export a shipment of grain or something and then spread some Drengear to uh, to another world or something. Um, I think that they're just like easy targets. But at the same time, like, I'm glad that we brought this up because I thought it was interesting that Lily started to have visions of the Nihil as well. Um, there's been a lot of like Jedi having visions in the higher public of bad yeah. things happening. And it, it happened twice where she saw a Nihil gas mask. Um, and that was like really chilling to see, especially because it was kind of in the corner of one of the panels. And again, I didn't notice it the first time I read it. I noticed it yesterday when I was rereading it. I was like, oh, there's like a tiny little Nihil gas mask in the corner. She's in trouble. Oh God. Um, so yeah, I, I think... I think whatever the Nihil are planning on doing with the Drengear is going to end up being very interesting. And I'm also glad that they're not doing it all at once. They're not flat out saying what the Nihil's goals are or how they're working with the Drengear, or if they have some sort of deal with each other, like you get fresh meat, I get domination, um, you know, fair deal, sta- you know, standard. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're not sort of revealing uh they're not tipping their hand all at once here um it'll play out nicely 
see, I don't, again, this time period is very muddled to me because, and, 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 I, and I think a lot of it has to do with the delays. There's so much activity going on. It's hard for me to understand how organized or distraught or spread thin the Nihil are. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't. I, I have no idea why they're here. I don't know what the importance of it is. I don't know why this place is is of importance. I don't know why the Nihil would be here. I don't know why the Nihil would waste a putting a single cell, a single person, spy on a planet with Drangir spores doesn't match anything else that I have ever done. Like, so I don't know. I, I get that there are some related things on crash on in race to crash point tower, but there is some, there is a strategic reason as to why they're doing those things. This, I, if somebody please explain if, if, if there's something that I'm missing here, somebody please explain it to me because I, I don't understand what, what, what the point, why the Nihil would be wasting resources that I don't think that they have going to a planet that we don't know anything about other than the fact, well, there's a Jedi outpost here. If they come back in volume two and reveal something similar to volume one of the high Republic adventures or the rising storm, where there's some important artifact or whatever on this planet, would this completely change your mind on yes. the story? Okay. Yes, it would. Let me, let me posit a, a solution to, uh, to that. So what if it's because there's a or there was up until the end an important Jedi in Master Arkoff on the on the temple, or or maybe it was because you know the actually I, I think that this might be why um, the they were bringing refugees from uh, ruined places from the emergences um, to Banshi uh, to create new homes because mm-hmm. their homes were destroyed from the emergences so. What if like they don't want any any people surviving the attack or the the emergences um, or or what if they I, I don't know. I feel like it had one of those two things are the answer, I, I think. I just don't know what they are. And I agree with you that it's a little problematic that we don't know which one it is. Like, is it because of the emergences? Is it because of the Jedi? But I also feel like that is almost certainly going to be answered. I, I in do. The next yeah. volume. Yeah. I should put an asterisk next to, next to that comment in that this is only no more than half of the story. Like we're at least getting a volume two. So it's very disingenuous of me to be so critical when we only have half the story. And that, that that's a very good point, Jacob, that if there is something that we find out in the second half of the story, I would have liked a little bit more breadcrumbs. You know, but mm-hmm. that would absolutely change my opinion and yeah. if, if, if it's found that out there's something important here. Yeah, and I will say, I put that out there, but I, I think even then, I think the simplest answer is the most obvious answer. It's just that this is a example of the Jedi and Republic expanding into the Outer Rim, and the Nihil don't like that, so they're trying to, you know, serve as a destabilizing force. You know, you said yep. they don't have, they don't have resources, but it... You know, it takes one dude and some seeds. So, I mean, at the same time, that's a pretty low investment to, you know, try and basically destroy a Jedi outpost. Okay, but my rebuttal to your rebuttal is the Nihil are more about plundering this than anything else. They're, they're not about taking away... They don't want the Jedi in the area because the Jedi will keep them from being able to plunder mm-hmm. and, and steal. 
they're not about just oh i don't like the jedi so you make a good point but there's nothing to plunder as far as we know there's nothing to plunder here and I, and, and so it just it doesn't fit in with the nihil that we know I, yeah i will i'll say one more thing before you know if we want to move on i i think in addition to beating back the jedi from this region i think it's very much in their interest and i think we do see some seeds planted for this um to sow distrust in the citizens of the outer rim because you have you see people questioning the jedi are you know are do, yeah. do they really have it all together especially you know when they're like you know my stuff is missing people are turning to wood like can i really trust you and they're like yeah we got it we got it i got it uh, you know if, if eventually they don't got it then we have a problem and you know you have that happen enough times then you have a more systemic problem. So, I, yeah, I think long-term, it, it makes sense for the Nihil's motives if the Jedi are pushed out, not just by them, but by the people of the Outer Rim. And, you know, a peace deal with the Outer Rim goes through, then the Nihil just have a lot more free reign over the region. So, I don't know. Okay. All right, Caleb. Got some good, good points there. So, um, let's kind of talk about the big overarching question here. The whole, the title of this is The Edge of Balance, and that is something that is referred to pretty well throughout this series, is the, the concept of balance as something to be achieved. Uh, how do we feel like that theme played out over the uh, over this story here? Do we feel like the that when you look back out over it, we can see where they are trying to tease out the idea of achieving a balance between things here? How do you guys feel about this? I think... I think Lily was the embodiment of like the title. I think, I, I think her sort of trying to deal with, and she had this conversation with Master Arkoff a lot. Like, um, how do I balance? You know, wink, wink. How do I? How do I balance the sort of trepidation and fear that I feel with being a quote unquote good Jedi? Um, at what point? does my fear, hesitation, trepidation go too far into preventing me from doing my duty as a Jedi? I don't think we've answered that. I do not think it will be answered um, because I feel like it's probably different for every Jedi. But, um, you know, one of the big themes was definitely Lily's sort of attitudes and hesitations. Um, and, And I think... I think that that's kind of what the title is sort of talking about, but at the same time, this could easily be applied to um, the Drengear, the Nihil, the Galaxy, and uh, their balance with the sort of chaos that has been slowly building up. I mean, it's got, it's kind of been a fast build when you think about it. Like you know, the emergence is bam, Velo, bam. We've got Drengear showing up everywhere, bam. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think it could definitely have a double meaning for sure. Yeah, for me, I think the the edge of I, I did like how it's presented. I think balance can be interpreted in many different ways in Star Wars, but I always think it's interesting when it is discussed in depth. Um, I think for me, the the edge of balance is very simple, and I think that's a it's a it's literally a lightsaber. You know, you have a blade has an edge, and that one of the more interesting discussions you had about balance was with. Oh, the the, uh, the younglings Nima and Vivnia about you know the balance between a, a lightsaber, which can be a great tool for defense, but also a great yep. tool for discuss for destruction. 
I think that was, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily a new take, but I think it's still a very interesting uh, take in Star Wars. I like seeing that fleshed out. And then also, I, I do think it's interesting in the end, the, you know, what solves the problem, you know, what, what, what ends the conflict in this volume was not a lightsaber. It was just, mm. you know, flaming space kerosene. So, <laughs> you know, well, I was also you know, completely off topic, but I was so incredibly, like, I was like, they brought this thing to burn out next to like the lake. I'm just like waiting for the drink. You're just, just like jump in the water and be like, all right. <laughs> I'm not going to lie until we talked about it. I thought that she just drowned the drink gear with, with the water from the lake. No, like, was, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to lie. Like, like fire tornado happened. with the force. Yeah. Oh, got you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think, I, I think the edge of balance has to do with, uh, Lily and, and and her her balance of responsibility and and understanding and and understanding your place in the world and knowing what you can do and what you should do. Um, I'd love to 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 think that there was more hidden meanings between the edge of balance, but again, we've talked about it earlier in the show. I don't get the feeling that the audience for this is looking for that. I, I don't think that this is a story meant to be that deep. I think this audience is a little bit younger. So I think it's more, I, I would love, well, I would love to that, that, that concept. I, I don't know if it's, if that was portrayed that uh, eloquently in, 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 in the second hand and, and, and second stories in the, in this, in this story. Absolutely. So, yeah. And the last question I want to have here is also kind of about the very last bit of the book here. There's kind of a bonus chapter here in the end, the Branchians, where it kind of like just took like a 20-ish page divulgence and kind of told a side story about the like the local natives there. And I think that was one of my favorite parts about this book was that they had like a small like concentrated story so we could explore our main characters' dynamics between each other, see more dialogue with them, and kind of like a side sort of thing where you had like different uh, paths and different arcs here. How do you guys feel just overall about this quick little story? I liked it. Uh, That's fine. Uh, yeah. I, I treat it as like, you know, the B story to Star Wars Adventures comic. Yes, it's not exactly. of like, not of any consequence, but I think it's fun and like definitely worth my time. Yeah. One thing I kind of noticed here, and we were talking about the pacing of this novel and how it doesn't feel like there's a lot in here. I realized that this wasn't like a lot of manga that you read here are published weekly and they have like, so kind of like, uh, like, you know, like normal comics, they have to be, you know, published, you know, several regularly and have to have like a cliffhanger and rising action for every 20 pages. They didn't really have it with this uh, novel. Like the first a totally complete story from beginning to end over was at 120 pages. So that's probably why it felt like it had some pacing issues because we're used to comic stories being bit by bit by bit, which is why I think I liked the last story here because it was that kind of shorter form, self-isolated little arc here. So I, I don't know if I would have uh, preferred it if there was like more of these sorts of like short stories or the entire novel, the entire you know, first volume was nothing but short, little, isolated stories with a beginning and an end. I feel like that would have been maybe a little better if they concentrated more and published it as if it were a bunch of smaller interconnected stories. 100%. Uh, I was just thinking it would have served it better if it was 
Elijah Jacobs said the B story of a comic book, then the forced epilogue tag on to a 122 page story that had a beginning and end. Um, I liked it, but just like a lot of other things that we've talked about, it was a very jarring change of pace to go through all of the climax that we went through in the main story. And then to go back to this little side story. Um, whereas if it was in a comic and it was just kind of like, a, you know, added on a, you know, four or five extra pages added on, it would have felt a little bit more of a separate story and separate thing uh, that I could have enjoyed a little bit, a little bit differently than just like, a, Oh, okay. Well, I, on top of all of this other things that were that are going on and everything that I, I've got to digest everything that's going on in the in the in the actual story and I now have this and I got to figure out where it all fits yeah I, I I would think I think it's an issue of you know we're we're all you know from a western society we don't have yes. that frame of reference I I think you know I read very little manga I don't think this is very you know I don't think this is completely uncommon to have like this little like aside um sure. it's so I, you know, it, you just have to, you know, come in with the mindset where like serious brain off. Let's just have a little fun for, for five pages. So I agree. I mean, it it was fun. Like, you know, would I have rather gotten, you know, a few more pages, maybe establishing Lily and Kieran's relationship? Yeah. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it's good to have a little fun side story and, and that's okay. I think, I think maybe if we didn't have, um, I won't speak for all of us. Maybe if I didn't have so many issues with some of the um, sort of quickened character building relationships here, maybe I would feel differently, but Mm. I would definitely, I mean, if, if there was a choice, I would certainly rather have more character development um, in place of, of the side story. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun. Absolutely. So, uh, I think it's that time. Let us re-rate this uh, this this volume, the Edge of Bounce uh, one again. Uh, we'll see if we wrote, you know raised our standings of this at all. Emma, you started us off last time. How do you still rate it? Is it still the same? What you say, eight point oh last time? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand at an eight point zero. Um, you know, I, I thought it was good. I thought everybody brought up some really good points. Um, certainly, my my biggest issue is, is the lack of development between Lily and Kieran. Um, I think that there's potential for a really awesome relationship there for good or for bad or for medium. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I do always, I've said it before. I I always love when we get more stuff from Justina Ireland, even if she's co-writing stuff, um, big fan of hers. So, um, I I hope she gets to write more stuff. And I I think, um, you know, comics and, and, and manga, I think, I, th- I think it's a good medium, uh, for her, like, especially with the, um, it was a job, uh, job of the hut. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Job of the hut. She did a really great job with. So, um, part of me wonders if some of these pacing issues are due to having two writers. I don't know if maybe they had different ideas for what they wanted to do and just didn't have enough time to sort of realize both of their ideas. They had to kind of like combine them. I don't really know how that process works. We've only seen um, other authors sort of like pass on their characters to each other. And we haven't seen a tag team like this before. So yeah, I'm not sure how it works, but that might've contributed to, to some of the problems, you know, this won't go down in history as my favorite 
thing from the higher public, but it's still more higher public and it's still more world building. Um, we get some more drain gear. We get a little, tiny bit more Nile. We get some more Jedi, like, I don't know. More higher public is, is always good. Higher public, I think. So uh, 8.0 is my final score. Absolutely. Um, I was standing right at a 7.0. I think I'll bump it. I think I'll bump it up at a 7.5. I think, you know, talking a little bit more about Lily's character and the themes of the bounce, I feel like that probably made me realize that there's a lot more points I really liked about her characterization and just the way she uh, handles herself. So I think I'll raise it to a 7.5, especially just because the art is really good. Like if you're not used to black and white and manga sort of things, it can be a little jarring, but I've read a decent um, chunk of that. So like getting into this fantastic, there's some great character art moments. There's some really fun, like when the combat starts, you can do some really fun, like tracing here. I think it's, uh, I think it really rose above a lot of the air standards with doing something different. So I'll say 7.5. Yeah, I'm right. go I'm going to stick with my 7.5. Yeah, I still I liked it overall. I'm very happy that they're doing this. I just wish the execution on the part of the the plot and the pacing was a little bit better. Uh I think one of the things that really stuck out to me after this round table is just like you know, a lot of these characters were really not consequential outside of Lily uh or like you know, I didn't have really strong, uh, I didn't have strong opinions on hardly anyone outside of her, uh, which I don't think is a necessarily a good thing. Like, Master Arkov, Kieran, the the younglings, they're like, you know, they're just all kind of there for me. Um, like, I legitimately couldn't remember anything that Kieran did outside of Duel Lily once. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm hoping we get a lot more of them in the next volume and maybe some volumes to come. Uh, and I, I think I will definitely, you know, I could definitely see myself rating this higher after reading those future installments. But for right now, I'm going to stick with a 7.5. So I am still going to be bringing up the rear here and I am going to bring mine up. I'm going to bring mine up to like, uh, I don't normally, I'm just going to stick to the half score. I'm going to bring it up to a 6.5. Um, I do like the elements that we talked about when it comes to the younglings and, and, and Kieran and, and the, the elements that they could bring. I just, I don't have faith that it's going to be uh, executed the way we as a Western society are used to it being executed in comics and books and, 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 and whatnot. Um, if you are a completionist, if you're a manga fan, uh, I would highly recommend you pick it up. Um, uh, if you're looking for the high points, uh, and you don't, you know, you're trying to decide you're, you're, you're limited with your time. I, I can't think of a reason that you would want to pick this up and something that also that, that, that we should note that, uh, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong here. We are getting a, in a, a second edition, but it is digital only. Yeah. Okay. Volume two is digital only. I believe that comes out like very early February of 2022. Yes. So, uh, I, I, and that, that also, again, plays into, I don't, I don't consume any of my stuff digitally. So the fact that I've gotten this and I don't get, and, and if I have to go get, you know, in order to finish the story, I have to go get it digitally. There's not a lot in here that, that is making me want to eagerly pick up the second, the, the, you know, the, the, the other half of that. So, you know, lots of good things. I, 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 lo I love the drain gear. I love the art style. Um, I think maybe if we were to do this in a, with, with characters or in a setting 
that we already knew. And so we could have a little bit of background information coming into it. I think I would have enjoyed it more. Um, but, you know, everything, uh, not everything can be a, can, contrary to what some people believe, not everything can be a nine or a 10 or, 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 or of those, those high scores. So, uh, you know, this is uh, just wasn't, wasn't something that I preferred. Yeah, that's Jacob. okay. Not everything has to be a home run, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm glad uh, I, I, I think it. it's good. To, I, I am too. I'm, I'm glad. I think, I think I've never, I've never read something that I didn't like and say, I am so mad that I wasted my time on that. Like there's always something good to come out of something, even if it wasn't your favorite thing in the world. Um, and I, I think it's, it's good to be able to have like civil constructive conversations on things that we weren't, you know, super hyped on. And, and I think, I think that that's great. So we, 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 could, we, we haven't mentioned it yet, and that's only because there, there weren't that many, but we are, uh, we can't have a round table without Jacob doing his best <laughs> to uh, come up with some Easter eggs. And so Jacob, I, I see a very extensive list here. Mm, yes, yes, you do. I'm not going to cut to myself for the solo cam. It's not worth it. Um, I found out that Han Talos is mentioned in out of the shadows at some point. Uh, very briefly, because its Wikipedia page is like three sentences long. I have not finished that book yet still, so I cannot tell you for sure. Uh, and um, I, I didn't put it in there, but Lily's uh, saber hilts are basically like kendo swords, which is like a, a like a martial arts, uh, a, a martial art. Uh, and uh, if you look in the like cross guard or whatever, like the circular cross guard, it has like the... Uh, High Republic uh, logo, which you can see pretty easily on the cover. So, oh, cool! I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. There you go. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> like a Denny's breakfast, a two-egg omelet. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Cosmic Force. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go ahead and hit that. Uh, like button here on YouTube where we broadcast every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Be sure to also visit UTD.com for reviews, articles, and news for the entire expanded universe, whether it's mangas, uh, comics, books, you name it. uh, We have that covered for you. Uh, We also encourage you to join our UTD Discord uh, community by going to UTD.com slash Discord. And you can also help support the show by heading to Patreon.com slash Utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to OK Endar, Shaw Bell, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, and Earl Q on the Our Jedi High Council, uh, and Carl Hick, or excuse me, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. Thank you again for your continued amazing support. Remember, you can tweet the show at Cosmic Force Show or the host individually. I'm at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob is at Jacob Bosch. Thank you again to Emma, Caleb, and Jacob for hosting with me tonight. Thank you to all of you wonderful people who joined us live and were on the chat. We had a for, we had a very interesting chat tonight, and uh, I really encourage our and uh, appreciative of everybody that was that was a part there. And we also want to give a special thank you to our listeners wherever and whenever you are joining us. We do appreciate your support. Uh, until next week, may the force be with you.